0: Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for February 24. My name is John Mason. It's great you could join us. We have only one life to live. We need to live it well, is a line we regularly hear. Advertisers love to use it. But how many of us really believe it? Most people have a sneaking suspicion that there is more to life, that death is not the end of our existence. I'll talk more about this shortly, but first, let me remind you that the Word on Wednesday is a ministry of the Anglican Connection, which is not just for Anglicans. Everyone is welcome. Furthermore, if you missed the recent online conference, for $30 registration, you can enjoy post-conference access to all the conference in your own time until May thirty-one. You can register at www.anglicanconnection.com And now, a reading from the Bible.
1: A reading from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea at Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: It's said that we only have one life to live, and that we need to live it well. But how many of us really believe this? Most people have a sneaking suspicion that there is more to life, that death is not the end of our existence. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity commented, If I find in myself desires which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world? Come with me to a significant question that Jesus put to his close followers. We read it in Mark chapter 8, verse 28. Who do people say that I am? He asked. Up to this point, Mark tells us, Jesus' followers seemed dull and obtuse in their understanding of him. They'd seen... First-hand his power and authority, when at a word he had healed the sick, commanded the powers of evil, and even raised the dead to life. On one occasion they had been with him in a boat, when a sudden storm threatened their very lives. When they cried out in fear, he calmed the tempest at a word. Have you no faith? he had asked them. They saw his many miracles, they heard his teaching, yet they still didn't understand. Let's think about this. Most of us have seen pictures that have two perspectives. We look at the drawing one way and we see a vase. We look at it another way and we see a face. Sometimes we can look at a picture like this for hours and only see one thing. The second perspective remains hidden. Then we blink our eyes or turn our head and look back and there the second perspective is and we wonder why we didn't see it before. Psychologists call this a Gestalt phenomenon. It comes from the German word meaning shape or pattern. The phenomenon can't be broken up into logical stages. We can't get halfway. It's all or nothing. We either see the second perspective, or we don't. Opinions about Jesus are a little like this. There have been times when I've talked with people for hours about Him, answering questions, making points, developing the case that Jesus is all He claimed to be. Yet often people don't see what is obvious to me. The ability to recognize the uniqueness of Jesus is an insight We can't organise it. It's a perception we must have. It comes not as a conclusion to a logical argument, but as a gift. In the same way that people can be perplexed by picture puzzles so the disciples couldn't make proper sense of Jesus. Then came a critical moment. Jesus had taken them away to Caesarea Philippi. Who do people say that I am? he asked. Mark tells us they cited the popular perceptions. Some say you're Elijah, others John the Baptist, and others one of the prophets. It was obvious to everyone that Jesus was someone very impressive. But there had been impressive people before. The general consensus amongst the people seems to have been that Jesus belonged to the group of great ones in Israel's history. But Jesus was not content with this. What about you, he pressed them? Who do you say that I am? Suddenly Peter seems to have got it. He'd probably thought about it before, but it was too crazy for words. Now the penny had dropped, and his blurred vision cleared, Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He was the one the prophets had foreshadowed. We can almost hear a click as Peter saw this new perspective. You are the Christ, he said. How did Peter work this out? Was it the outcome of recent research? No. The moment of insight came as it does for every true believer. Out of the blue. It wasn't a deduction or a discovery. It was revelation. But there's something else. Inspiration. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, we read Jesus' words in the same context of what we've just read here in Mark chapter 8. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. As we think about this, and who Jesus is, we find the key to the meaning of life. To see that Jesus is no mere man, but God in the flesh, is to see that there is much more to life than what we experience now. For to understand that Jesus of Nazareth is God's Messiah, God's eternal Son, who set aside His true glory and become one of us, opens our minds and hearts to a hope and a joy that satisfies our deepest longings. As we reflect on these deep matters of life, we see that there is something mysterious in the way God opens our eyes. As we come to know that Jesus of the Gospel records, we come to realize that there are critical moments when we are conscious that Jesus is personally asking us. Who do you say that I am? How do we come to experience this? We don't have the advantage of having Jesus with us in the flesh, but we do have the reliable accounts from those who did meet him face to face. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And we note that the account about Jesus is not just written up by one man, but four. Richard Morgonan, a keynote speaker at the recent Anglican Connection online conference, spoke of a new Bible reading series through the Gospel of John, The Word One-to-One. As the notes are already in place, all we need to do for our friends is to invite them to coffee. You see, the Word of God continues to do its work as in the days of Jesus. And there's something else. God's Holy Spirit is also at work. Convicting people everywhere of sin and opening blind eyes to who Jesus really is, the Christ, God's Son, our Lord and Saviour. Revelation and inspiration. A life-changing gestalt moment.
1: The power and the glory are yours now
0: and forever. Amen. A prayer for this week. Lord Jesus Christ, for our sake you fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Give us the grace we need to have such self-control that our hearts and minds, being directed by your Word and your Spirit, we may always obey your will in righteousness and true holiness, to your honour and glory. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, for evermore. Amen.
2: A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all people, and banish from them the spirit that makes for conflict, so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Sovereign Lord God, direct with your wisdom and power the leaders of the nations. Lord, give them such wisdom and understanding that they may restrain wickedness and vice and uphold justice and truth through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, the creator and preserver of all humankind, we humbly pray for all who are in any kind of trouble, sorrow, sickness, anxiety, or need. We particularly pray for those who lost loved ones through COVID-19. We thank you that a vaccine has now been produced And pray that it will be made available both speedily and fairly so that all peoples and nations may benefit father we also continue to pray for people who suffer because of injustice poverty and powerlessness lord enable us to share with others the material things that they need most of all in your great mercy bring comfort and hope through the good news of the gospel of jesus christ who died and rose to save us and give us meaning and hope forever. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our
0: Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John
1: Mason, speaker and writer, Andrew Pearson, the Dean and Senior Minister of the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, and Catherine Jacob, a member of the Cathedral Ministry Team. The introductory and concluding music is from the Cathedral, under the direction of Dr. Frederick Teardew and Zachary Hicks. The hymn is sung by the Chamber Choir of St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Prayers are drawn from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the Bible reading is from the New Revised Standard Version. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, registration for post conference access is available at www.anglicanconnection.com.